0: Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to the animated series Star Wars Resistance. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I am your host, Doug Brooks, and today we are reviewing. Episode 5 of Star Wars Resistance, The Children from Tahar. I've got my live studio audience with me again. Uh, if Hopefully he won't make too much noise, he'll just enjoy the show. I've got your bottle ready again, dude. Alright, thumbs up. Alright, uh, real quick, I may, I say it's episode 5, and that's how I label my episodes going forward. I'm going off Disney Now, how they post it. As far as the episode number, because with the recruit being a, in some ways a two-parter, it kind of gets confusing. I'm just going off what Disney now lists, so that's why I consider this episode five. When I check my DVR, I think Disney XD and Disney may label it differently. They might consider this episode six. So hopefully that's not uh, making it too hard to find the episode. That's why I try to put the title of the episode in the description, that way shouldn't be too much of a problem. And before I get into the episode, uh, I mentioned it last time, LEGO Star Wars All-Stars is going. They did uh, five short episodes last week, which was... Yeah, I loved it. Uh, it was um, From Trenches to Wrenches, uh, the Roger story. And for those of you who don't know, Roger is uh, R-O-G-R. Um, he's a battle droid who survived uh, the Clone Wars and has was on the Freemaker Adventures, that show I mentioned that I love. And it's about Roger. He's written his autobiography, and he's telling stories to these people uh, uh, who he's encountering about a uh, previous adventure. A lot of fun. Again, I plan to review it, Once they've shown all the episodes, maybe around the winter break. I've got to mention, though, and it's not really a spoiler. On one of the shorts, Roger is on Dakar, uh, sharing a story with BB-8. Now, the show isn't canon, and that doesn't mean that Roger eventually joined the Resistance, but for the purpose of this show, since that's what I named the show after, that Resistance base, I just thought it was a really cool visual. I tweeted it out, um... I thought about making it my um, cover photo, but since you know he's not on Resistance the show, I decided not to. But that that was just a fun little moment, so I had to give my shout out to Roger. Um, also, there is a book book coming out. It's called uh, Droidography uh, by Mark Simarak. and Roger features prominently in the book, kind of like telling the story. So he's for kind of a character that not a lot of people know about since he was just on Freemakers. uh, He's getting a lot of uh, representation lately, so I think that's really awesome. All right. All right, let's move on to the children from Tahar. Um, Overall, really good episode, and it keeps the overall storyline of the First Order going from last week. After what I considered a slow start to the episode, uh, I'll I'll admit it, when I started uh, to watch it, I was worried about, uh, if it, this episode was gonna be up to the standards of the previous ones, no. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it after that. It got better. Um, the you know the opening, the opening scene where Kaz is trying to help Tam and Niku, and and screws up the the ship part, and then Tam it goes ballistic and starts throwing tools at him. Uh, it just didn't. It just didn't do it for me. Um, you know, another... I know uh, the whole mechanic thing is a cover story for Kaz, and um, he's doing his best, but another thing of him screwing up... Uh, I don't know. It just got a little, maybe, tiresome. And then for Tam to just go completely off the rails and start throwing stuff, um, that, I don't know, it just didn't do it for me. I mean, she's got to reach a breaking point at some point, of course, um, with this screw up trying to think he's hot stuff. But I don't know. Just cold opening that didn't leave me feeling good about the episode, but it did lead to something very interesting later, and I will get to that. But then we almost immediately get into the crux of the story with the um, search for the children. We go to Aunt Z's, and we find out she charges for water. Um, yeah, he ran out of uh, Kaz ran out of money a couple of, two sips ago. Um, yeah, that's that's harsh. Um, I know water should be free. That's all I'm saying. But Kaz is, uh, you know, Niku's there and he's nice enough to uh, pay for it. Turns out Niku's just not these. You know. He spends on what's necessary, as it's basically said. Um, So he's just a a really good guy. But since uh, Kaz is needing money to pay for the part he broke, uh, we immediately move on to finding out there's a bounty out for these two children. uh, Because they were eavesdropping. And it moves really quickly into... Oh, they're on the... uh, at the marketplace. Um... And I understand it's a 22-minute episode. You got to move the plot along, especially for kids. And they and they even and they even said in Bucket's list that they had scenes worked out where Kaz would go search for the kids at uh, Acquisitions and other parts of the Colossus. And plus, the implication that there was no guarantee they were on the Colossus; that it could have been any um, anywhere, really, uh, like those two guys were saying. So, to go from, hey, there's these kids and there's a reward, almost immediately, to here they are, I thought could uh could have been done a little better to add to the suspense. But understand you do have to get on with the story, and there was plenty to do once they were found. So, that's my critique. Uh, like, uh, like I say, the beginning of the episode had me a little worried about how it was going to go, but after this, it gets really good. So, I'm not going to... Um, dwell on that too much, but I know, I know, there you go, but I'm expressing my concern. Now, okay, yeah, the fighting the kids was easy, but if you notice, there's way more uh, flight traffic in and out of the Colossus at the beginning of this episode, so I don't know if it's just like a busy time of the week or month or whatever, Um, but at least there, well, it made sense that they could stow away and make it onto the platform so easily. Uh, since there was all this traffic. So, uh, uh, maybe they planned it that way, but that was a nice touch. So you don't have to, like, suspend disbelief too much. And then we get a scene where um, where the kids are trying to steal food, Aladdin-style, to um, not go hungry. Turns out it was Puffer Pig bacon. How could they make bacon out of those such cute things? Um, but, no, I mean... It well, was, it was really cool to see, you know, blue food um, and uh, really different other colors of food at the marketplace uh, for that Ugnaughts stand. And uh, Bucket's List pointed out there are different marketplaces. Uh, I think there's four of them on the Colossus. So, you know, so far you just assume there's that one and all the goods and services are offered in one place. But no, there's several. So, nice little information. And, um, I mean, the Ugnav vendor was strict. He would only allow um, one bowl, even though um, uh, Garma doesn't get paid till next week. So, it was at this point when Niku and Kaz come out there. You know, they're trying to find the kids, and Niku mentions uh, the odds of finding them are like winning the platform lottery twice. Now, it had me thinking, It was the line about the platform lottery just a throwaway? Because, you know, it's, it's not Star Wars if you don't talk about the odds. Um, but it, it had me thinking, what, okay, so what's the lottery? You Do know, you win money? Do you win lodging? Um, it had me thinking of, um, I don't know if any of you remember this movie. It came out around 2004, I think, uh, The Island with Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson where uh, it's this like underground society and they have a lottery to decide who gets to go to this place called the island which you know is on the screen is very tropical and everything um, it had me thinking something like that even though they're already on an island of sorts um, you know yeah, does the lottery mean you get to like go somewhere nice you know is it totally a water planet or are there beaches uh, kind of like uh, in um, Fifth Element. I don't know. Just a throwaway line, but I did. it had me thinking of the possibilities in my head. Uh, so the kids are being chased by the agnat and uh, we do get... Um, uh, it seems like they're doing that recurring gag where um, gorgs go flying, and then uh, they come down and they start biting people. I am all I'm all for that. They can do that every week. I thought it was pretty funny. So, uh Kaz and Niku find the children. Um No, they don't. Um No, no, they're not found. I'm getting my cuz they're on the they're on the marketplace more than once in this episode. Uh, so we do know they're looking for, there's a, the children have a symbol. Oh yeah, no, they do run into them. Um, it it was, which is sad, because I just watched this episode a couple hours ago (laughs) just to do the notes, but I'm, I got the kid with me, so, uh, I'm a little distracted. Um, but yeah, so uh, they run into the kids, I know they're there, but they get away. Um, and then Kaz retrieves that symbol from, um, the boy, and that. I just wonder, is that going to play into the plot later? Kind of goes along with, um, you know, what's the importance of Tahar. Um, but yeah, like, Dozis keeps this, uh, the symbol with him. So I don't know what the long-term plan for that is, but, you know, what does it mean? Um, and before I forget, shout-out to uh, Nikki Suhu and Anthony Del Rio. They were the voices of the kids. Uh, they, they did really well. Uh, it's the first really young kids, as far as major characters, we've seen on the show so far. So, I approve. They did a good job. So, I got, but I gotta talk about my favorite part, my favorite thing about the episode. We go underneath the Colossus to the, one of the base. Uh, I'm guessing it. it's not a floating platform that's actually, you know secured to the reef or, you know, whatever's underneath. So, we go to, like, really low deck engineering, and Cass makes the point. Uh, He mentions that it's all grimy and nasty, and that goes along with what we learned last week, that the further down you go from Dozer Tower into the Colossus, uh, the dirtier and darker it gets. So we're, like, all the way down. But we meet the Chelidae. The turtle people. I love them. Uh, they just look so cool. Um, it was very dark crystal to me. Um, and also, like, um, oh, Moloch in Solo. Uh, Moloch looked like a character straight out of dark crystal. And these guys just have that look to them uh, the way they kind of move slowly and make their sounds and in the, in the music that Michael Trevera came up with for their kind of theme. Yeah, it was... I was just fascinated by them. I could... I hope they uh, show them a lot more, because they were just really interesting, you know, for not being able to say much. but uh, I mean, Nico mentions, they're the engineers, they're the custodians, they're the mechanics. They help the Colossus run, even though you don't know about it. It's a lot like... The house elves from the Harry Potter books. I think, you know, like the real true fans of the books will mention it. Um, they, that's one thing they left out of the movies, that the house elves are underneath in the lower levels of, of Hogwarts. They're the ones who prepare all that food that magically shows up on the table and, and all that. And there's that whole subplot with Hermione um, trying to get equal rights for them. But, yeah, so the Chelidae are just down there doing all this, and they're kind of underappreciated, but they're they're so vital, and they seem, like, highly intelligent, too. And also, I had my suspicions, but they did confirm it on Bucket's List, and it's in the data bank as well. Uh, The Chelidae are native to Castellon. They are uh, the native intelligent species. So you had to figure that being aquatic and, you know, being able to adapt to the cold of... Um, the the ocean with the way they can slow down their body functions that they would be from there and it turns out they are makes you wonder like I'm sure they'll never address it but ba- back when it was a um, imperial installation you know did they just come aboard and or were they recruited to work it you know kind of like slave labor and then they just decided they liked it Like I say, it probably won't ever address that, but it's just something I I thought of. So, yeah, I could go on and on on about how awesome they are from the design standpoint, just the way they're portrayed. Okay, oh, yeah, and the the coolest thing. Uh, I didn't notice this until the rewatch today, when I saw the credits. The Chelidae were voiced by Frank Welker, um, who, if you don't know... Is like the guy in voice and uh, voice talents for like animal sounds and stuff like that. He was Nibbler on Futurama. Um, just about like any. I'm gonna. I don't know this for a fact. I didn't look it up, but I'm guessing he was Odie on Garfield. Just any animal, and you know, is making those sounds. That's not just speaking roles. His major speaking role, two of them. He was Megatron and Soundwave on the original Transformers cartoon. And they eventually brought him back to do Soundwave in the live-action movie and then Megatron in the fifth uh, Transformers. He's just a legend, and that is awesome that he's been on Star Wars now. I don't know if he ever has in the past. Maybe? But the fact that he did such an awesome species... uh, Yeah, I kind of geeked out when I found that. I found that in the um, cast list today. Uh, Kaz has a short meeting with Captain Doza. So we find out Captain Doza has done a lot of research since last episode. Uh, He knows about Kaz, he knows he's working for Yeager, he realizes, oh, this is the guy who raced my daughter. So he's keeping tabs on him really hard. He probably knows more than the First Order does. And again, I mention it every episode, Out the Window, it's a sunset, and... The beautiful sunset on Castellan has made the ocean red in the, out the window. Again, they do so many wonderful things with the stationary headquarters. And, and uh, Michael Travera, again, the music for this uh, one scene, where it's kind of flowing and melodic, but very foreboding, uh, it reminded me a lot of some of the music on Tatooine in Attack of the Clones when Anakin was searching for his mom. Kind of had that feel to it. And then Doza contacts Phasma, uh, so she knows that the kids are there. She's going to send Commander Pyre in the First Order. And, I tell you, Resistance is, a lot like the, the novel and the comic book did, they're really making Phasma a better character than the movies ever did. Um, just that conversation between her and doza i mean she never had anything that meaty in the uh, movies so i'm glad Gwendolyn christie's really getting a chance um, to <laughs> i was gonna say to shine but you know this got a shiny uh, shiny stormtrooper outfit um, so yeah uh, just the use of her on the show has been really good love it Okay, let's get to something I immediately noticed. I don't know if... Skipping ahead, everybody's talking about the Kylo Ren name drop. Yes, it's important. But right before that, something happened that I immediately was like, Whoa, that just happened. Um, when Tam hands that part to Kaz for him to get repaired... You know, they do the sight gag of him like immediately like dropping it and it's being really heavy. Um, yeah, I think you know on on the surface the um, you know you're supposed to laugh at it because oh he's a weakling. No, I took it to mean that Tam is really strong, like super strong, because um, she just hands it over and then he drops it and then. Later in the episode, you know, he's lugging and he has to kind of get it over his shoulder to get it back to her once it's fixed. And then she just takes it and tucks it under her arm and walks off. Uh, if you've listened to the previous episodes, I have my suspicions that Tam is the First Order collaborator that Kaz is looking for. Um, again, it may just be... I mean, it may be like trying to put too many pieces together, but... Yeah, she's got uh, some freaky strength to her. So I'm, you know, nothing's ever mentioned about it. It's just you have to notice it. But yeah, I I wonder what that's going to lead to. You know, what does that mean? I I I don't know if I brought it up uh, when I was reviewing the recruit, but the things she wears on her boots, I always always wondered if they were like cybernetic. Enhancements. Maybe she had had like, uh, you know, I was gonna postulate at that time that maybe she had a um, some sort of like leg injury, like maybe she, when she crashed her ship, and she needed prosthetics of some sort to help. You know, kind of like how um, some football players always wear um, knee braces, or if, if you need a wrestling comparison, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, like you know, you always always wear your braces just so. Uh, you don't get, like, further injured. I don't know if that's why Tam is wearing those on her uh, legs. Uh, just, like, from boot area. But, yeah, like, is maybe is she cybernetically enhanced to be strong? I don't know. But that's something that just really stuck out, and I had to mention it. So then the Chelidai have the kids, and that's when we find out their story... That their village was destroyed by the First Order, and their people wiped out. And then they say it was Kylo Ren. Which, uh, yes, it's very important that we are at that point in the story. That it's not Ben Solo, it is Kylo Ren. Going around, uh, destroying villages. And then, you know, when we get to the end of the episode, they're trying to figure, figure out why their home planet Tahar is so important. Um, what's the First Order need with it. Um, Ello hadn't even heard of it, so he's guessing it's in the Unknown Regions, which is where the First Order rose. Um, And also, given Ello's comment at the end that Poe is on a mission... Well, no, he can't be. I was about to say it could be. He's already on his way to meet San Tekka on Jakku, but that can't be because, as... Post in the next episode with Kaz, so that's out the window. But, I mean, we're getting close to the events of The Force Awakens. We're within six months. And the attack... Uh, uh, the way they describe the attack on the Tahar village, it sounds an awful lot like the attack on the Jakku village that we saw in The Force Awakens. You know, they're getting information, they're getting what they need, then they wipe out the witnesses and all that. And there's also another one where... Now, I'm going to get into um, spoilers for Battlefront 2, but the game's been out for over a year, so if you haven't played it by now, you probably don't want to. But the epilogue level in the story mode involves Kylo Ren searching out one of... uh, the main characters from the game um, on a planet called Pileo. And he's on the search for Lorisanteca or the map to Skywalker. And, you know, it's the same. It seems to be like that's his pattern is that he's. They're going to all these different planets and, you know, laying waste to what they don't need and getting information. So I think it's just another one of those steps that Tahar and. Pileo and Jakku are connected like that. So uh, Tahar may be a place Lord Senteke had been to. Uh, so uh, hopefully we'll find out more about that later. But, um, so it does match Kalo Ren's pattern of the way he's going to different planets. Um, now, interesting, Commander, ca- yeah, Commander Pyre uses Kalo Ren's uh, ship you know, you you assumed that was unique to him, but that's the one that's flown to um, the Colossus, and it was kind of a it was kind of a red her- yeah it was kind of a red herring I thought in the trailer because you thought oh that means Kylo Ren's gonna be on the show but not so far. Um, but so we're back out on the marketplace, and I, I just thought it was cool um, cool that we get to see the herb vendor and that and that you know the people of Tahar are into like natural remedies and um, uh, just he- healing like that, rather than using a biocast as Kaz said. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm in the I'm in the medical profession, so I just really dig the idea of using like a natural remedy, um, as opposed to you know, you know, modern science, scientific medicine, all that. That was really cool. And then you know like has to be like certain leaves and no stems and you know use it as a compress later um, all that was really neat um, but we got commander Pyre and his stormtroopers out looking for the kids uh, played by Liam McIntyre who, who he was just like slick and calculating just a, made Pyre a really cool character who I hope comes back um, it'd be nice if he's it sounds like looks like Von Reg is you know the big foil for the season at least, and hopefully Pyre is up there with him. Um, and then when they're chasing the uh, Kaz and Niku uh, and the boy, uh, you do see that shot like this, there's a little droid just running away from them, and he's like really short, so he's just like running down the hallway. That kind of cracked me up. I thought that was fun. It was at this point that my oldest son pointed out why doesn't Kaz have a gun because that makes two episodes in a row now where he's being shot at by the first order and all he can do is run so I was like you know what I don't know that's a good question um I mean it doesn't as far as I know like guns aren't illegal on the platform because uh Yeager had one in the first episode so I don't know um I I really didn't have a good answer for him like he, he should you know, at least he could fire back. And my son also loved when BB-8 uh, was, like, booking it down the steps, uh, going back to engineering. Um, just like da 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 all the way down. Uh, yeah, that was, I think, the, ch- the little hallway chase was my uh, what got my son most excited about the episode. Um, so then they have to hide the kids or make First Order think they're gone. And I just loved Niku's, um Icy Waters of Bodily Destruction and Certain Death. If that wasn't so long, I'd use it for a fantasy football team name. Um, but, you know, that was a really good plan um, to fake the kid's death and have the um, Cheladai go in the water because we know they'll be okay. And That way, the First Order will get off the track for a while. Um, and that was... You know, a good conclusion to the chase that, you know, the kids are safe and they can stay with the Cheladai for a while, and that means they can come back and um, be vital to the uh, story more. Maybe they go to Tahar at some point to investigate what happened. Um, yeah, that would be pretty cool, and and bring the the actors back, and then have Commander Pyre come back and see what's going on. Um, so. You know, they good resolution to the episode, but there's still a lot that can come of it. Maybe we'll find out more next week. Because the episode ends after Tam, freakishly strong, carries off the compressor. Um, Kaz communicates with Asti, um, who was the pilot from Force Awakens. Um, you know, he did mention the Oh, he did mention there are other agents and spies. So, Poe's got a good network going on. Um, and so does 3PO. I mentioned that before, but... Uh, 3PO, as part of the Resistance, created a, a droid spy network, which is pretty cool. That was fleshed out in the comic book a lot. And you see a hint of it in The Force Awakens when that droid at Maz's castle let, lets him know that um, BB-8's there. Um... I wonder, since they went to so, so much trouble in the first episode to make sure that, you know, Kaz didn't give away the location when he was talking to his dad, you know, hopefully Kaz used a secure line to call Elo and talk to him. Uh, there's just, you know, there he is out in the open using a, you know, FaceTiming with him. Um, you know, hopefully nobody noticed. You know, it'd be bad to get caught as a spy doing that, but... Um, so Kaz is being told that he's doing a good job. Um, hopefully the other spies are doing their good job. Should I find out more next week? So um, that is it. I'm going to go ahead and cut it short um, so I can take care of the kid. Uh, you can find me on all avenues of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at Radio Dakar, RADIODQAR. R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. Uh, feel free to drop any... Um, questions or comments on there Uh, we are back next week with a new episode as i mentioned it's poe and kaz on a mission uh it should be a great episode i'm really excited for it Uh, until then i will see you on the other side and may the force be with you